You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Who is this God that is so gracious to a self-serving, self-centered, self-interested people? When we read Exodus 17, we see this picture of a God whose nature it is, despite the people, to show mercy again and again. Just like making water flow out of something that where water should not be flowing out of, a rock. So God draws faith from a faithless people. Nothing, not even people, not even you and I, not even these sinful folks can get in the way of God's provision for us, his mercy for us, his grace for us. Not our stubbornness, not our pride, not our sin, not our short-sightedness, nothing can get in the way of this grace of God that brings streams of living water. This is the God that we believe in. We believe in God, the God of grace. That's what we're gonna look at today. Well, it's gonna be with you this morning as we continue. If you're just jumping in, we've been going through Exodus, the book of Exodus, and looking at who is this God that has rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea into the wilderness to show them who he is, to teach them how to worship him, to teach them more about who he is and how he works in the world, in their lives. Last week, we talked about God the sustainer, the God who makes, check this out, no joke, the God who makes bread rain down from heaven. That's how good he is. This is the kind of God we say we believe in. That was God the sustainer. This week, we see the God of grace. And if you don't understand grace, maybe if you've never really taken a good square look at it, let me just tell you this. You cannot understand how to follow Jesus. You can't understand who God is. I don't know how you can live as a Christian if you don't understand grace. What an important message for us today as we discover this God of grace. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're in Exodus chapter 17, and you can read along with me in just a second. We've been, having been delivered from Egypt, we're catching up to Israel. They've been delivered from Egypt. Just like I said, they've been fed bread from heaven, from the sky, bread has come down to feed them. When there was no H-E-B around, God fed his people. And the needs of God's people, they keep coming. They just don't end. Now they're thirsty. Verse one tells us that there was no water for the people to drink. They had come out to the wilderness. After all they had been through, these people were going to die of thirst after all that. Here they are in the wilderness with no water for the people to drink, scripture says. Verse two says this. So the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Even after they have been miraculously fed, miraculously delivered. Everything that, if you imagine yourself as an Israelite, everything you have just seen in the matter of maybe weeks or months, God's deliverance. Now they go thirsty and they begin to pick a fight with Moses. They begin to pick a fight with God. 
The emphasis in the story is really interesting to me. It's not when the water comes out of the rock. Wow, this is an amazing thing. The emphasis of the story is actually in these key words, quarrel and test. We see both of them almost simultaneously right next to each other, sentence after sentence. The story revolves around this theme in the first part of this passage. Why do you quarrel with me? Is the question. Why do you test the Lord? Quarreling and testing, if you think about it, they're like the inverse of worship, aren't they? They're like the opposite of worshiping God. It's complaint, not gratitude. It's based on pride. Pride feeds quarreling and fighting. It's not based on belief. It's stubbornness. It's not faith, is it? Basically, Israel expresses that God's saving work so far, everything you've done, God, it was okay, but it's just not gonna cut it. It's not good enough. You may have defeated the world's biggest military superpower, You may have moved an ocean, made water stand up like walls. You may have done that. That's pretty awesome. You may have made bread rain down from heaven. And yet, it's not quite good enough. Because it doesn't quench the thirst that we have now. What about now? doesn't matter what you've done, God. We're thirsty now. It's not quite good enough. And for humans, for you and I, I think we can all nod our head and go, yeah, that's kind of the way it works in life, right? God can do amazing things. And we have such a short-term memory and the hungers that find us now that are really all that matter to us. And if God doesn't serve that immediate hunger, that immediate need, he might as well not have existed in the first place. If God doesn't serve our good, if he doesn't quench our thirst, what kind of God is this? Is he really good at all? So often we forget what God has done in our midst, what he's done in our lives. Those saving graces of the past almost get wiped from our memory, right? Israel, very much like us, will only, so often, will only accept God's concrete and immediate saving action as as real evidence that he exists. Prove yourself now and we'll believe you now that you exist. They will only accept certain categories of immediate need meeting for them to believe in God, put their trust in God, to actually believe that he cares for them. They think, what have you brought us out here to die because we thirst now? Are you hearing this? They will only accept his concrete and immediate action for them to believe that he cares for them, that he exists, that he's worth worshiping, that he's for them. Their view of God is so dependent upon the way God performs for them now. And if he doesn't perform for us now, then let's kill his prophet, right? Let's stone Moses. It's a perspective that for for a lot of us should feel right at home in secular society today, right? A belief in God that says something like this, God is only as good as his ability to serve me. No one would really ever say that out loud. I mean, some may, but how true is that? God is only as good as his ability to serve us, to serve my agenda, to serve our country, to serve the economy well. God, why even pray if he's not gonna help us? God is good if I don't thirst, if I have no needs, if all my hungers are met. Can you see how, what an ugly view of God this is? Not only is this just false, but it's actually like really reflective of something really rotten in us, some, something so self-serving. A self-interested relationship with God. If you were in a relationship with anyone else on this basis, it would be abusive and manipulative. You're only as good as, as much as you serve me. As long as you meet my needs, I'll, I'll keep you around. We wouldn't do that to anybody else. 
Maybe some of us really do think this about God. Maybe we're really angry with him. He can handle that. But we should get a good view of who God is. We should address him knowing more of who he is. We believe in God, the God of grace, that even when a people speak to him and relate to him this way, he makes living water flow out of stone. That's the God that we worship. We don't believe in a God, uh, we don't believe in God, for instance, um, because he gives us things. We believe in him because he is, whether or not he gives us things. Unlike us, radically unlike us in our nature, our nature is so dried up and twisted by sin. We're all inward, inward spent. We're looking at ourselves, seeing our needs and saying, somebody's got to fix this. God's nature, unlike that, is to actually be focused on others and to show mercy to others. He's never threatened. He's never running out. He's never asking people just to serve him just as much as uh, uh, just doing good for him. And that's, that's the basis of the relationship. No, God empties himself. God gives of himself freely to his children. God's nature is always to show mercy, to extend grace, radically unlike our nature. This is not how we wake up in the morning, ready to show mercy and extend grace to others, right? This is God's nature, to show mercy, to extend grace. Unlike our impatience, God's patience and his grace is the only reason that our world isn't completely overrun by evil today. We can't perform for God to earn his favor. We can't do gymnastics. We can't come to church regularly and then win this like approval from God. That's not the way this works with him. We couldn't even win his favor, even if we tried really hard and we really wanted to. Our sin has dried us out. That's what sin does to people. And it's left, left us in the desert, totally thirsty. Our souls are totally thirsty. No effort is going to quench the thirst of our souls. Nothing is gonna make living water come out of a rock beside God himself. We can't save ourselves. I hope we see this in Israel's story in the Exodus. This is us, we're there. We're the ones in the desert, right? But we believe in God. So yes, we may be in the desert. Yes, we may be thirsty. Yes, we may be self, so, so self-serving all the time, but we believe in God whose grace makes living water come out of rocks. It made a Christ child come out of a virgin it makes salvation come out of death. And it makes genuine belief come out of a very stubborn people like you and I. We believe in a gracious God who, Philippians 2, 6 says this, did not regard equality with God something, as something to be exploited. Listen to this, but emptied himself. This is the God we believe in. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We believe in God. This is the God that we believe in. Do you believe in this God? Does our community believe in a God like this? Because if we believe in something else, we believe in something that doesn't exist. This is the only God that is. This is the God that we believe in, whose nature is always to show mercy, whose impulse is always to give of himself for the sake of others. He didn't take advantage of his divine status, his citizenship, 
as divinity. Instead, he emptied himself. He humbled himself for our sake. This is the God we believe in. This is the God, listen, whose grace works a result in us that is contrary to our nature. We were once a self-serving, self-interested people, self-centered. But in Christ, God has made all things new in us. He's drawn living water from us. He's quenched the thirst of our souls. He's made our living and sinful bodies living bodies, new bodies, making us into signposts, witnesses of his grace. Unlike how we were before, now we are witnesses of his grace, pouring out living water into a world that is dried out by revenge and anger and hatred and sin. This is us. We're like the PVC pipes of God's grace into the world, gushing living water into the world. Once we were enemies of God, once we were quarreling with God in the desert, once we would test God again and again, dying of thirst, but now we believe in the God of grace who meets our needs and we don't have to be afraid. Just as Moses was nearly stoned and didn't abandon God's people, even more so, Jesus was struck. Not just the threat, and, not just the threat of being struck, but was actually struck. He was hung on a cross and died by our quarrelsome and testing hands. And yet he did not abandon us, even when we did this to him. Just as Moses interceded for God's people, so does Christ sit at the right hand of God the Father interceding for us. Just as Moses struck the rock, so Jesus is the rock that was struck and from him flowed the new covenant of his blood and his body for our sake. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. I mean, the fact of that truth is just totally amazing, but isn't it stunning that in Exodus, you have this prefigurement of who Christ is going to be for us hundreds and hundreds of years later. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. We see these figures from long ago. God's grace works in us a result that is contrary to our nature by his son, by his spirit. Would the world know this about us? Would would the world know that we believe in a God like this if they observed us as a community? If the world, if the neighborhood of South Austin looked at Rez and said, huh, let's just watch and see what happens. What would they say about the God we believe in? What would they observe? Would they say, ah, Now, there's a people who believe in a God of grace. Would the world know this by watching us at work? Now I'm going to start messing with you. Would the world know this by watching us on Facebook? Yikes. What about at home? Would our kids know this by watching the way we treat our spouses? That we believe in a God of grace? Do we really believe? Or do we just come on Sunday and say we believe? Do we cooperate with God's grace when our own brothers and sisters sitting in us in the pews next to us cry out for injustice and racism and hatred? Do we we believe in a God of grace when we hear their voices or do we shut them out? Do Do we explain it away as some sort of other political agenda? Do we believe in a God of grace? What would a God of grace do in a situation like that? Better yet, what would his people who believe in a God of grace, how would they respond to something like that among them? Does living water spring from us when we are tested, when we are pressured? When 
the next issue comes up on Facebook or in the news? Does living water spring from our mouths as we type it on the keyboard, folks? When people trample on the country's most sacred symbols, does living water spring from us? What springs from us? When those things that we hold most dear are threatened, what springs from us? What kind of God do we believe in? Does living water spring from us when our neighbors suffer from natural disasters? When they lose everything and we see it, does living water spring from us? Are we a people capable of the kind of grace that God demonstrates to us and his son? Are we, are we those kinds of people? Can we become those kinds of people? Church, here's the good news. In your own effort, man, we're terrible at this. Can we just admit that? Like we stink at this. But listen, in your baptism, you are joined with a community, you are joined with a body that despite you, God's grace has poured out upon you. Who you become in baptism, who you become as a member of this church, in any church, in the Christian church, is you become a living member of Christ's body. And this is just who you are, a people of grace. And so I don't have to tell you guys, go be gracious. Come on, try harder. No, what I get to tell you is be yourself, church. Be a people of grace. Remember what God has done for you and live accordingly. Cooperate with him, with the one who emptied himself. Empty yourself for the sake of others. The one who God exalted that every knee should bend to him, who, who always speaks up as a people who have first confessed that Christ is Lord. A people whose identity is first Christian before it's American, for instance. How do you speak up for the kingdom of God before we speak up for our political parties? How do we speak up for our brothers and sisters in Christ in this church before we start commenting about everything else that's wrong in the world? I think if a neighborhood saw that, I think if a people saw that, they would, they would look at us and say, wow, that's unlike anything else we're seeing on the planet today. They must believe in something really, really profound. Maybe a God of grace. What kind of people does a God of grace make us? Is it a people who fight because they thirst? Is it a people who test God because they're worried about their needs or quarrel out of fear? Is it a people capable of putting the needs of others before their own? I think so. Being slow to speak, close, uh, quick to listen, seeking to understand before they're understood, a people whose nature it is to always show mercy the way our God always shows mercy to us. I think so. Y'all following with me? Does this sound right to you? I think it is. A people who do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God. I think that's who we are. In fact, yes, that is who we are. I'm certain of it. If you, uh, if you call Rez uh, home, can I just time out real quick and have a word with you? If you're visiting, I'm sorry, our church has problems, and so we have to like, talk about it every once in a while. If you have a Facebook or Twitter account, if you are on social media, have access to any, any, any of this, please understand that when you speak up on your social media account, you speak for all of us. We're connected to you. You're a living member of, of the body that I'm a living member of. I look on Facebook all the time. Guys, honestly, I'm like, my heart breaks. And it's not because people have opinions. You're welcome to have your opinions. My heart breaks because, because, because people don't understand that the things that they're saying are actually representing the kingdom of God. I'm not sure they understand that they're representing the kingdom of God. I often come up to Facebook or Twitter or social media, which is, by the way, our community's newspaper, whether we like it or not. That's what's happening in the world. It's not a very good newspaper. I mean, I, don't, I wish I could back off of it, but that's just the way the world's working and using it. 
I don't think we know how to deal with technology and social media yet. We're like infants with these tools and we will learn. But can we just like take a time out and observe this for a second? Let me just speak to this as, as humbly as I can. If you are not absolutely certain that what you're going to share, your opinion that you're gonna state, the thing you're gonna say online, if that is not living water, can you just press pause and go pray? Maybe talk to a brother, sister, or res? Vet the idea a little bit? I love that you guys speak up. I love that you have your opinions. I just want you to feel the burden of the fact that you're speaking for all of us. It's the burden I feel all the time. You don't see a lot of posts from me, which I don't think is the right answer either. I'll confess, sometimes when I'm faced with like political issues, man, I'm scared. And I'm like, I, yes, you know I have my opinions. Of course, who doesn't have opinions? But I see that and I think I speak for an entire community of people. I don't get to just say what Sean thinks. I have to speak for these people. Would you feel the same way as living members of the body, the same body? Would you speak in such a way that you are absolutely certain that what's coming out of you is living water, as a demonstration of grace? Whether we like it or not, this is where the world is watching us as a community. So speak carefully. In reality, we have, there's so much to speak up about. And so I'm not saying don't speak up about it in this stuff. I'm saying, there, I mean, there's race issues, there's political issues, there's issues that, man, we don't even realize how many issues are at play in the world today. There are so many dynamics in our complicated society right now. But we've got to, it's no excuse, we've got to speak up for the kingdom. And if we're not sure that what we're saying is in line with God's kingdom, the way Jesus would do things, then I think it'd be good and wise just to like hold off for a second. Go pray. Spend as much time praying as you do scrolling through your feed on Facebook. Asking God for his mercy. Scouring scripture for his leading, for his voice. God, where are you in this world? How do we make sense of it? Feel the burden of being a member of a community. Church, on timeout, we're back. If you have any issue with anything I'm saying, you're, you're welcome to come talk to me. I, uh, I love you guys and I trust you all, but I, but I don't think I have the opportunity or the luxury to not lead us in, in the way that we're dealing with stuff on social media and anything as a community. I feel like we, I have to lead. I have to say something about the way we're conducting ourselves publicly. And I want us to do that very, very well and very thoughtfully and carefully. That's where this is coming from. But I'm open. If you want to come talk to me, I'd be, I'd be happy to hear from you. So church, let's be ourselves, knowing that we come to a God who works out a result in us that is contrary to our nature, a God of grace, a God who has worked salvation for us. Not that we could be some sort of privileged status and use that power over and against other people, but to go and serve others, to empty ourselves just as Jesus did for others. This God of grace makes a people who work out their salvation in fear and trembling, like scripture says. For it is God who is at work in you, not the other way around, enabling you both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. And we can stand and truly say that we believe in God, God of grace, who with the Son and the Spirit lives and reigns even now, now and forever. Amen. Would you all take a moment of silence with me as we reflect on the scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to continue to speak. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.